may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 92. It's the verse that we've been looking at for a while. And next week, we are going to be celebrating 15 years as a church. And it's pretty amazing. In fact, let me ask you this. How many of you have been here over 10 years? Can I get you just to raise your hands up? We, we started this church 15 years ago with 11 people. And it, it's pretty cool to see what God has done over the last 15 years. And I, and I want to be very emphatic about that. This is what God has done. And one of the things that's so amazing for us is to really recognize and understand that when we accomplish things, when we're doing things, it's about what God has done. That God has given us the ability to think. He's given us the ability to breathe. He's given us the ability to understand some things. So we always have to give him the glory and the honor for everything that takes place in our lives. And the, the, the journey has been filled with a lot of exciting times and a lot of challenging times. In fact, it reminds me of a book I had to read in high school, A Tale of Two Cities. If y'all remember how that started, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. We've shared in a lot of joys, shed a lot of tears. And when we started the church, I thought, because I am such a dynamic person, thank you, because I am such a dynamic person that people were literally going to line up around the building waiting to get in. We were going to have overflow crowds from day one. Well, just so you know, it didn't happen. It it was kind of a, a slow growth. In fact, we've always had growth, but it's kind of been a little bit slower than what I'd always hoped and what I'd planned. And what I recognize is that God really began speaking to me and helping me understand because, see, I was always thinking that when, when we get this, things are going to be better. Like when we get the LED screens, oh my goodness, people are going to come out in droves. When, when we get just the right staff member, boy, that's going to be the tipping point. When that happens, everything's going to change. And what God really began to speak to me is that the the answer to the growth that God wants in all of our lives is not out there, it's in here. That if I want to go higher in what God has for my life, then I first of all have to go deeper. And and there's a real uh, wrong perception about Christianity that, that a lot of people, because of the way they were raised or the way that they were taught growing up, was that basically Christianity is kind of this thing you do on Sundays. You know, you, you go to church, if that's, you know, once every week or once every two weeks or four weeks, six weeks, whenever it is you go, that's, you kind of do that. And then occasionally you pray when you really need God. You got a real difficult thing, you pray and ask God about some things, and, or you pray when you go to a funeral or, or something like that. And, and what we don't understand is that God doesn't want us to compartmentalize Christianity. He, he doesn't want us to think of Christianity as this, this, these, this rule book and these regulations and these things that we have to do. And if we do all of these things, then God's going to be nice towards us and kind towards us. But really, Christianity is kind of over here. And my real life is actually over here. And God really doesn't have that much to do with it, except every once in a while, he just kind of might step in in a moment and help me out. When in reality, God wants to be involved in all of our life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He wants your marriage to be better than any other person's marriage. He wants you to understand that you're actually his favorite one. I know that your neighbor thinks they are his favorite one, but you're actually his favorite one. That God wants you to be blessed financially, that God wants you to be blessed with health, that God wants to do all kinds of amazing things in your life. But listen, if you're going to go higher, you're going to have to get deeper. You're going to have to get some roots down. And that's why we've been looking at this verse in Psalms 92. And if you have your Bibles, you can follow along or it'll be up on the screen. It says this, that those who are planted in the house 
of the Lord. They shall what? They shall flourish in the courts of our God. And see, as as a loving heavenly father, God wants to watch over you and I in every area and arena of our life. I'm I'm praying today that we'll actually grab a hold of that concept and quit compartmentalizing life because see, what God wants for us is the same thing we want for our kids. As good as you can think that you want it for your kids, I promise you today, God wants it better than that. And it says that they'll flourish in the courts of God and, and what our lives should be like with our kids is we should want them to enjoy life. We should want them to have the greatest life that, they've, that anybody could actually have. With our, their life should be like living on a playground. All right? But they need a fence around it. Because we need to protect them and we need to make sure that they're going to be safe. But they should have fun while things are safe. And when we live within the courts of God, when we follow the precepts and the plans of God, that's when we begin to flourish in life. Let's think you're a child of God today. If, if you're here and you've given your life to Christ, you're a child of God. Let, let me put it in a way that maybe you can understand it a little bit better. You're a king's kid. You were designed to rule. You were designed to reign, not just in the afterlife, though we are going to reign in the afterlife. Uh, Dibby's on the islands in the Caribbean. All right. You're not going to just reign in the afterlife. I know some of you already called. Y'all do respect dibs, don't you? Okay. All right. God, God wants you to reign in this life. He wants you to reign in this life. So you'll flourish in the courts of our God. It goes on to say that they shall still bear fruit in old age. Listen, I'll tell you what happens to a lot of followers of Jesus Christ as they get older. Is they, as they get older, they step out of more of what God's called them to do. They kind of begin to say, you know what, I've already done my part. You know, it's kind of like, we, we've, I've already raised my kids, okay, I, it's time for me just to coast, when in reality, God wants you to continue in old age to bear fruit, that they shall be fresh and flourishing. See, a lot of Christians are not fresh and flourishing. They're not, and, and they're going to heaven, thank goodness, but they're not walking in the more than life. They're not walking in the abundant life that God has for them. And in their mind, the reason why they're not doing it is simply because I haven't been obedient enough. I've disappointed God too much. I've I've missed the mark. I'm never going to actually be able to succeed in all that God has for me. And they don't really actually understand that God wants them to walk in the more than life. And they don't understand sometimes why some of the promises, like Ephesians 3.20, are not showing up in their life. Look at this promise that God gives us. It's talking about what God wants to do in our lives. Now, to him who is able... To do, here's what God wants to do in all of his children's life. To do exceedingly, catch out, catch some of these adjectives. I think that's right, adjectives, right? You English teachers can grab me later. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or that we even think. God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think. How according to the power that is at work within us. So it's not based on you anymore. Oh man, don't you just go, thank you Jesus for that? It's based on who Christ is in you. Listen, they don't know why sometimes that isn't showing up in their life. Why, why, why that, that's not happening? People want to know that. I can tell you one reason why. Because they're not planted. 
They're not planted. Their, their roots have not gotten down really deep. And what they've chosen basically to be is a bonsai Christian. Now, if this is your first um, Sunday here with us during this series, you need to go back and listen to these messages because it's going to help you to begin to understand what it means to be a bonsai Christian. But, but let, me, let, me, let me explain what a bonsai Christian is. They're put into an environment that is confined. That's what a bonsai tree is. And there's a seed in here, but it limits the potential of the seed. Why is that? Because here's, here's three things that we talked about. Bonsai Christians determine the shape of their own pot. They decide that I'm going to live the Christian life the way that I think I should live the Christian life. And listen, when you're sitting on the throne of your life, that's not a good place for you to be. It's not. You need to put Jesus on the throne of your life and say, God, I want you to determine the shape of my pot, not me. So bonsai Christians determine the shape of their pot. Second thing is they require constant maintenance. If you know anything about a bonsai tree, because the soil is shallow, you have to water it every day. And, and because Christians are sometimes choosing to, I think again unintentionally, bonsai Christians, they require constant maintenance. They need somebody every day saying, hey, you can make it. Now, all of us get in seasons where we need that, but for them, it's a constant lifestyle. They need someone to pick them up, fix them up, and help them out. And the final reason is they fail to reach maturity. They never mature. And so what ends up happening is they remain a baby Christian all the time. There's a song Amy Grant sang years ago. He's just a fat little baby. Wah, wah, wah. He wants his bottle and he don't mean maybe. Y'all don't remember that one? Okay. <laughs> Moving on. They failed to reach maturity. All right. <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> so, <laughs> so why would anyone want to be a bonsai Christian? Listen, I don't think anybody wants to have a lack of fruitfulness in their life. I don't think anybody wants to, to, to say, yeah, yeah, I just, I, wanna, I don't want the promises of God showing up in my life. I think it's just that they fail to recognize and understand the root issue about God's love for them. Now, I know that I talk about this a lot because it's so easy for us to go, Pastor Richie, we get it. God loves us. Can we please move on? I'm telling you, we don't understand God's love. In fact, for the rest of our lives, we will be trying to pack, unpack, and wrap our minds around understanding God's love. Because if you back up a verse from the promise we just read there in verse 20, it says this in verse 19, to know the love of God. That know is a Greek word, gnosko, and it means to know that you know that you know. You literally know the love of God. Because what we typically have an understanding about the love of God is the way that somebody loved us. And unfortunately, all of us have had people in our lives that loved us conditionally. They loved us when we did all the right things. They loved us when we performed well. But God, this says that to know the love of Christ, and what happens is it actually passes knowledge. Our, our minds sometimes can't even compute and understand that God would love you and I in our best moments and in our worst moments. So, but it goes on to say that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Listen, when the fullness of God gets in your life, there's no room for self left in your life. See, they don't understand God's love for them. They want the height. They want the exceedingly abundantly more than life. They just fail to recognize that because they don't have the depth, a deep understanding of God's love, God can't give them the height. Is it because God doesn't love them? No, it's because if they have the height without the depth, when, not if, but when a storm comes, it'll blow them over. 
So it's actually God protecting us from something that could easily destroy us. I'll give you an example. Some of us wish that we would win the lottery. All right? Some of you, I know you just want to tithe on it, so you're just like, I want to, I want to win the lottery. And what we keep thinking is, God, when I win the lottery, then I'm going to start giving. And I'm telling you that when you win the lottery, you'll just think, okay, now I won the lottery once. I'm a pretty lucky person. I bet I could win the lottery again. So God, when I win the lottery the second time, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to start giving. And what we don't recognize a lot of times is if we're not faithful with the little that we have now, God can't trust us with more, not because he doesn't want us to have it, but because it will destroy us. It's amazing how many people win the lottery, lose their family, lose their home, lose all the money. That they, it's, it's amazing. Google it sometime. It's amazing what begins to happen. So God sometimes can't give us the height because we don't have the depth. Is this making sense today? And the great news today is that no matter what choices you've made in the past, you can make a different choice today. I don't know if you know this. Some of you that are married may not know this, but you are actually in charge of you. Okay? Some of you, I know that was a fresh revelation just worth coming today. You can make different choices today. So you can either choose to be a bonsai Christian or you can choose to be a planted Christian. So what's a planted Christian look like? Well, again, reviewing just real fastly, fastly, just reviewing real fastly, all right? A planted Christian is someone who commits to a deeply rooted life. They're, they're not just here today and gone tomorrow. If, if you don't decide ahead of time that you're going to get some roots down in your marriage, in relationships, at church, you're going to be here today and gone tomorrow. Because I promise you, you're going to have some opportunities to get offended by some people in your life. Listen, and when you look at a forest, those huge trees, they have roots that go down really deep. And not only do they go down really deep, but they actually go down and they actually intertwine with other roots. And what happens, it becomes the strength of the other roots that actually helps them in the storms of their life. So when you and I get roots that go down deep and we get connected, we get in relationship, our roots get intertwined. So when, not if, when a storm comes, we can weather any storm that comes into our life because we're, brought, we're into root touch. And what God is saying is, listen, I've got so much fruitfulness for you, but if you're up and out, up and out, and don't commit to a deeply rooted life, you're not going to see the exponential growth curve that God has for your life. You're not going to see that abundant life that God has for you. Why? Because God's going, well, if that's just the way you're going to be, sorry. No. I'll wave my hand like this whenever I tell a joke so you'll be able to. That's not the issue. The issue is, listen, he's got he's to make sure that you've got the character to handle what he's about ready to give you. So you're not going to see that exponential growth curve. So planted Christian is someone who commits to a deeply rooted life. Second, a, a planted Christian adds value to the orchard. Here's a question. Are you here for the church or is the church here for you? It's a pretty good question, isn't it? Listen, broken, damaged by life, the devil reared back and smacked you right in the kisser. I want you to know, church is here for you. We're here for you. We're going we're gonna to get people around you. We're going to bring in the hospital bed. We're going to bring in doctors that are going to love on you, take care of you. We're going to do everything that we can to help you get back to a healthy person. That's why we do small groups. It's part of that healthy process in your life. But listen, at some point, you're going to have to get out of bed. 
You're going to have to stand back up and say, listen, I was made for something more than just being defined by what happened to me in the past. I run into people all the time that are still nursing grudges and wounds and hurts that happened a long time ago, and they think it's their past. It's not. It's their future. It's their present reality. It's it's actually not their future if they'll make a decision to say, I'm not going to allow that to run and rule my life anymore. You got to get up somewhere along the, the way. So are you planted? Just, it's rhetorical. Just think about it for a moment. Are you planning? Have you decided to put your roots down really deep so the surface stuff can't affect you any longer? Are you, are you someone that is here to get something or are you here to add something to the value of the orchard? Do you come early because you're looking to help out? Do you figure out places that you can serve? Have you gone through the growth track to figure out the way that you're wired and the way that you're designed so you can actually get in your sweet spot? So how do I get motivated to do that? I'll tell you, the only way that you're going to ever be able to motivate to do that is if you ever get a hold of how much and how perfectly God loves you. When you begin to understand what Jesus Christ did for you, when he willingly laid his life down so that you could walk in eternal life or live an eternal life and walk in an abundant life, when you begin to understand that, everything begins to change and suddenly you're motivated because you're going, God, thank you for doing that for me. You did for me what I was unable to do for myself. And because you did that for me, I want to do something for you. I want to give back because I know that you've done something incredible for me. We've got to decide that we're not going to be a bonsai Christian where everything is about us. How will you know that? Again, ask yourself, am I a planted Christian? Have I decided to get my roots down? Have I just made a decision? I don't care what people say. I'm going to get my roots down. Am I focused on bringing value to the orchard? If if God were to ask you today or, or tell you today, I'm going to give you one request, what would you ask God for? Would you ask him for wealth? Would you ask him for a health issue in your life? Would you ask him for a new job? Or a raise in the job that you have? I, th- I think it's interesting when he asked Solomon this, he said, you didn't ask for the death of your enemies, so would you ask for the death of your enemies? <laughs> Hopefully not, all right? Well, I think the psalmist did. <laughs> Forgot my cue, didn't I? All right. <laughs> I think the psalmist David understood this. Here's what he said in Psalms 27. One thing I ask from you, Lord, this only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. See, I think David recognized that if he got his roots down, he recognized the enemy's gonna come. Listen, you, you need to understand today that we're in the middle of a war. The enemy has sights on you, on your marriage, on your kids, on your health, on your finances, everything. And he recognized that if he's going to get his roots down, the enemy might attack, but he's not going to be able to get victory in his life. Listen, he might bend and sway just a little bit when the storm comes, but I'm telling you, because his roots are down, roots are down deep, he's going to be able to withstand all the attacks of the enemy. And by the way, it doesn't take very long to get out of the habit of showing up to church. Man, all it takes is one week, you're, you got a little bit of a headache, so you think, you know what, I'm not going to go to church today. Next week, you're, you're almost thinking that you might have a headache, and so you don't go to church. And then the third week, I may have a headache on Wednesday, so I'm not going, I'm not going to church today. <laughs> Seriously, it, it, it takes like that to get out of a good habit. Have you noticed that? Man, bad habits, you can pick them up in a New York minute. 
Good habits, they take a while to develop. So don't let that happen. In fact, I run into people all the time that used to be faithful to the house of God. And I can tell a lot of times when they see me, they're embarrassed. And I don't ever want them to feel embarrassed. Honestly, I don't want people to ever come going, well, Pastor Richie's making me come. Or I feel this judgment uh, or judgmental. And and just so you know, I'm not here to judge you. I'm really not. It's something you have to work out and walk out. But as a pastor, uh, Pastor Becky was telling me this today, that you know what, one of my main jobs is uh, I'm actually a fruit inspector. And and we, we can recognize things happening in people's life. And I see so much damage happening in people's lives sometimes. And, and one of the main reasons why they typically get out of church is because of work. And, and listen, I know the word of God is very clear that it says that if your ox falls into the ditch on the Sabbath, that you can go take care of that. Well, I believe that if your ox falls in the ditch too often, you ought to shoot it. Get you another ox that doesn't know how to fall into the ditch, Right? All right, because sometimes, listen, we are, we are focused on making more money than we'll possibly ever need, but missing out on some valuable rootedness that has eternal value. The other thing, honestly, is sports. Sports are an issue. Sometimes we set the Dallas Cowboys. Put your own team in there if you want. Some of you aren't listening to the rest of my message. I didn't know he was a Cowboy fan. I know God's calling me to go to a different church now. <laughs> we, we, we set sports out. We do. We, we'll miss church because there's a game coming on. And, and can I tell you another thing? And again, I want you to hear my heart as a pastor on this. And this is kind of based out of second opinions, all right? Because it really is my opinion. Club sports. Moms and dads, we got to be careful with that. We, we, don't, we don't recognize sometimes what we're doing with our kids that we're telling them, look, this is more valuable than this. And, and I'm telling you, you got to work it out. you got to figure out what you would believe God would have you to do. But I'm telling you, th- that's fun and that's enjoyable. But 100 years from now, what are you going to be glad that you did with your kids? I'm telling you, when we're in heaven, you're going to be glad that you got them into the presence of God, that you got them into the front of the word of God. So they heard the word of God over and over again. Listen, I, I know parents that their kids grow up and they go off to college and they start talking about how their kids aren't living for God anymore because their, their professors are, are very secular in their teaching. And that happens at a lot of universities. Now, I do know there are some good professors, but there are a lot of secular-minded professors at other universities. And they're, they're complaining about that, but they don't recognize that the secularization actually began when they said sports are more important than God. So I'm just telling you today, you've got to work that out, but you've got to make sure that your kids are planted in the house of God. Because what happens is then they begin to wonder why, why there's not breakthrough in their lives. I'm talking about the more than life, the abundant life that God has for them, and they're, they're dealing with depression or fear. They're, they're, what they're feeling like their lives have no purpose or meaning. So what ends, they end up doing is they end up binge-watching movies and shows on, on Netflix They get involved in alcohol and drug, trying to overcome the depression that they're dealing with or trying to find meaning in their life. See, you're going to have to choose to either be a bonsai or someone who is planted in the house of God, someone that is fruitful and flourishing. But you're going to have to accept today that you're here for something more than you. That God has written a purpose upon your life. And again, we think that purpose is if I surrender to God, I know he's going to call me to Africa. Or he's going to make me serve with the kids. 
Or he's going to make me do something that I'm not wanting to do. Listen, if you're wired to do something, we're going to discover what it is, and we're going to get you planted there. If you're an introvert, we're not going to make you be a greeter. All right? But if you're an extrovert, we're probably not going to stick you behind a camera. Because you're going to be the person the whole time. Hey, how's it going? You doing great? got to be here for something bigger than you are let me let me wind up this series by stepping on your toes one more time (laughs) y'all know I'm doing this because I love you right I really do I I love you guys I want to see God's best for your life listen planted Christians are deep-rooted Christians they add value to the orchard and finally they allow the required pruning they they allow the required pruning because you know sometimes I, I hear people say and and again it's kind of part of the journey of a church is that man there's so many amazing things that happen and also there's so many challenges that happen and and I hear people say from time to time you know I don't really like our pastors because they're making decisions that that are that are I think that are wrong and and a lot of times we we have to understand that yeah we we can make bad decisions um I I know that this may come as a shock to you but I make mistakes um, I, I, don't, I don't float around the house during the week because I'm a pastor and the Shekinah glory is all over me and the presence of God is always there. I make mistakes. I say wrong things. And sometimes we've, we've been hurt by some, some people in leadership, some pastors or some people in leadership in the past, and, and we never move past it. It becomes the defining thing in our life. And while we all can make mistakes, sometimes there's decisions that are being made that people just don't fully understand why we make the decisions that we make. And, and I want you to know that as your pastor and as, as the leadership team at this church, man, we think about this all the time. We think about how we can advance the kingdom of God, how we can reach more people, how we can help you become everything that God's created and designed you to be. So we go to conferences and we we go to those conferences and we spend hours and hours learning about what God's doing right now on the face of the earth. We pray about it. We think about it and talk about it. We do it so much that actually at an offsite meeting we just had, I had to tell the staff, hey, from seven o'clock at night till seven in the morning, unless it's an emergency or we're doing a ministry event like a small group or some service, we're not talking about church. Because for my wife and I, we'd be at the dinner table talking about church. We're after dinner, we're talking about church. We're going to bed, we're talking about church. And we gotta have a life also. We really do. So we're thinking about it all the time. And we're, we're trying to figure out the very best way that we can help you to become all that God's created and designed you to be. But listen, I know how the devil works. Listen, he, the Bible says that he's an accuser, so he'll make an accusation against me or the leadership of this church, and he'll start whispering in your ear, listen, if they really cared about you, they would do this. If they really cared about you, they wouldn't do this. Or if they really cared about people, they would do this. This would be the thing that they would do. Or if they really cared about people, they wouldn't do this. It's an accusation because the devil's plan is to get you angry or frustrated with me or the leaders of this church or someone that's trying to help you. Because if he can get you at odds with me, someone who's trying to help you, or one of the leaders in this church, you won't allow the necessary pruning that you actually need. Do you know that a fruitful and productive tree is pruned every year? In fact, here's how Jesus said it in John 15. He cuts off every branch in me, non-planted Christian, that bears no fruit, 
Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he what? He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Watch your toes again because I'm about ready to step on them again. When was the last time someone pruned you and you didn't run away? Think about it for just a moment. When was the last time someone pruned you and you didn't run away? Because there isn't ever a time in you, in your life, and in my life when we don't need pruning. In fact, to be quite honest with you, it's kind of like this. We're walking around and we've got this dead branch sticking out of us. It's a bad habit. It's a negative attitude. It's just a negative words coming out of our mouth. It's a repetitive sin that we're dealing with that we keep justifying. And we've got this thing coming out of our, out of our head like this. And what happens a lot of times is sometimes we know it's there and we justify it being there. Sometimes we don't even know it's there. And everybody else sees it but us. And if we don't allow the necessary pruning to come into our lives, we'll walk around with this thing all the time in our lives. And it keeps us from being as fruitful as God would actually like us to be. Listen, there isn't ever a time in my life or in your life when you and I don't need to be pruned. There's not ever a time in our lives when, when painfulness is part of the process going on in our lives. Have you ever seen a pruned tree? If you'll notice that tree, it begins to cry. The reason is, is the sap is coming out. And the sap is coming out and it creates a seal to keep the tree from getting infected. And here's the problem in most of our lives. We don't sell prune. We don't. We, we don't, we don't sell prune. And a lot of times we won't allow other people to prune us because we don't like the pain that pruning brings into our life. And we don't recognize it's, it's important for our growth. It's important for our fruitfulness. It's important for us to have the impact that God wants us to have in our lives so that we walk in the fullness of life of what God has to be pruned. See, God has called me as your pastor and the leadership team of this church to lead this local body to get every tree in the garden as healthy as it possibly can be so the fruit of God can be evident for a community that is out there that is saying, can you please help me? Can you please feed me? Just see, if we're always a bonsai Christian, we're saying, look, I can't even come and help serve because I actually still need to be served. And again, broken, beat up by life, man, we're here to serve you. We're here to help you. But at some point along the process, you got to get out of bed and say, God, I was made for something more than just being stuck in my past. We have to allow the required pruning because pruning stimulates new buds. It controls growth. It removes dead branches, and it creates strength in the plant. No pruning, no strength for the future. And I love the fact that God wants his church to be like a healthy fruit market. Because I've been in churches like this, and, and you've been in fruit markets where you go there, and, and the fruit has been there for a while. It's a little old, and it's a little rotting. And God's saying, look, I want you to be fresh and full of life. So what's going to cause us to have the, the more than life that God wants in our life? The pruning that's required to bring the fruit into our lives in its season. Once you understand it's a process, 
Because what we're thinking is if I get pruned, I'm immediately going to be there. And I'm telling you, it's a process. In its season, the fruit is going to take place. So I want to encourage you today. We're winding up this series to make a decision. I'm going to get planted. I'm not going to be a bonsai Christian. I'm going to get planted. Why? Because environments shape destinies. The environment that you place yourself in, it's beginning to shape your destiny. But more importantly, because it's God's way. It's the way God designed it. It's the way that God planned it. Pastor Rich, is that really true? Let me show you the word of God. Hebrews 10 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Well, how often do we need to do that? Every time the doors are open. You don't have to come once a month. You, you can show up every week. Well, that kind of seems a little drastic, Pastor Richie. The early church that was incredibly fruitful, incredibly successful, here's what it says in Acts 2. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's the celebration service like we do right here. And they broke bread in their homes, small groups that we do, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I want to remind you today that I'm only responsible to you, not for you. You get to decide what you want to do. You just don't get to choose the consequences of what it is that you've chosen to do. And I have to tell you again, as a pastor's heart, I'd, I'd love to, to cut off the enemy from attacking you at the front end instead of having to deal with it at the back end. I'd like for us to make sure that we, listen, I don't have to wait until my marriage is falling apart to invite God into my marriage. I can actually do it right at the front. Listen, in raising my kids, I can decide I'm going to raise them godly up front, not try to fix it when all hell is coming loose, when all the wheels are coming loose and all hell's coming against my family. So I want to close by saying this. If this bonsai could speak today, and it can't, and it's not going to, but if it could speak today, if it could speak today, would you guys throw that, that picture up there, up on the thing? If it could speak, listen, same seed, different environment. And if it could speak today, I think it would say, don't be a bonsai. Look, you might think that I'm cute, but I can never become that. Because I'm planted in this pot, I can never become the thing that I was destined and created to be. Listen, we can sing songs like, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but be enslaved by the soil that we're in. Because it's so shallow, we can't get roots that go down deep. That's why God wants us to be planted. That's why we've been looking at this verse, that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age, and they shall be fresh and flourishing. Listen, that is the life that God has for and wants for every one of his children today. But he's not going to make you do it. You've got to make a choice to get planted, to add value to the orchard and allow the necessary fruit. 